Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Who was the greatest financier in the Bible? Noah, because he was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. What kind of motor vehicles are mentioned in the Bible? Jehovah drove Adam and Eve out of the garden in a fury. David's triumph was heard throughout the land. And a Honda, because the apostles were all in one accord. Who was the greatest comedian of the Bible? Samson, because he brought the house down. And where was the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? When Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. I know, pretty lame, huh? That's the best I could do this morning. All right, Reverend Billy Graham makes a big impression on a small boy. This is supposed to be a true story. Billy Graham tells of a time early in his ministry when he arrived in a small town to preach a sermon. Wanting to post um, a letter, he asked the young boy where the post office was. When the boy had told him, Dr. Graham thanked him and said, if you'll come to the Baptist church this evening, you can hear me telling everyone how to get into heaven. The boy replied, I don't think I'll be there. You don't even know your way to the post office. Okay, one more. This uh, little story is called Incredible Service. Young Jonathan was visiting the church for the first time. He checked all the announcements, posters, and pictures along the walls. When he came to a group of pictures of men in uniform, he asked a nearby usher, who were all these men in the pictures? The usher replied, why, those are our boys who died in the service. Dumbfounded, Jonathan asked, was that the morning service or the evening service? (laughs) All right, that was the last one, I promise. (laughs) All right, this morning, and not just because it's Thanksgiving this past week, um, I know Shorty, um, if you were here last Sunday, she gave a message on Thanksgiving and being grateful. This was kind of the, the theme of mine when Dave first asked me to be prepared because I was supposed to do last week, I think, and then things got messed up. So anyway, so this was going to be my next theme for my message anyway, and it's about the goodness of God. God is the original definition of good. He is good in and of himself. And I guess it kind of does piggyback Shorty's message and Thanksgiving a little bit. But I don't think that, um, and I think most of you would agree that, you know, everybody is more thankful this time of year. Thanksgiving, Christmas, everybody's, oh, it's, you know, we're thankful for this. We want to get together and this and that. And kind of what I want to talk about this morning is we should be grateful and thankful all the time and not just this time of year. Because we all know that there are 363 other days in the year where we go through things, where we have trials and tribulations and tests and all that stuff, and we get, we don't get bad news necessarily just on, or this time of the year, you know, Um, we get bad news throughout the year. And this, for me personally, this has been one of those years of some bad news, but you know what? God's got my back. Or we like to say in the law enforcement and military circles, he's got my six, and he's got yours too. So this morning we're going to read from uh, Psalms 145 and 107. 
and I'll just go through these real quick, starting with Psalm 147, uh, one, verses 1 through 7, if you're taking notes. Uh, praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God, how pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, He gathers the exiles of Israel, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls each of them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. He is understanding. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. Psalms 107 is going to be one, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 43. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story those he redeemed from the, land, the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. I want to start this morning with two stories. and One is, the first one is going to be a parable based on Matthew 20, and I want to see if you guys can put together the common denominator of these two stories. In Matthew 20, Jesus tells uh, the story about once upon a time, there was a wealthy man who early one morning dropped by the marketplace, which would be the ancient equivalent to the unemployment office. He hired a bunch of guys to work in his vineyard for an agreed-upon rate of pay. A few hours later, he went back again and then again later that same day, each time employing more and more men. In fact, as Jesus told it, the owner of the vineyard hired extra workers right up until quitting time. The last men were hired just one hour before sunset. As the light of the day faded, workers gathered to receive their pay. They were lined up in order from the last ones hired, working backward. And this is when Jesus kind of threw a little curveball at him when he told the story. It says, every man, no matter how long they had worked that day, received exactly the same pay, one day's wages. So the guys that started work early in the morning got a little ticked off with why that they did not get more pay than the guys that were hired one hour before. So somebody spoke up and says, man, this is a bum deal. We're getting ripped off. You shortchanged us. We did most of the work. We carried the burden under the hot sun, but you treat us, them as equals in labor. Jesus put in the words of the mouth of the vineyard owner, didn't we agree together on what I would pay you? I've kept my word to you. Now don't begrudge my desire to be generous. For reasons that are mine, I wanted to do something unexpected, something crazy, something that would make these men run home to their wives and say, you're not going to believe what just happened to me today. Everybody got that one? Second story. Uh, this took place in a, cl in a classroom at Hannibal LaGrange College in Missouri in 2002. It was the day for final exams. Denise Banderman walked into the classroom minutes before the professor arrived. Everybody in the room was doing their last minute cramming for the test. The professor enters and takes a few minutes to review. Most of it was familiar, but there were some things that no one remembered ever hearing. The professor responded with what, what sends cold chills up every student's spine. This is in your textbook and you are responsible for the content of this exam. The time came for the test. He gave the word. Every student took up their pen, 
turned over the test. This is from Denise's own words. I couldn't believe it. To my astonishment, every answer on the test was filled in. My name was even written on the exam in red ink. A wordless stir traveled like a wave over the class as each student looked at their completed exam. On the bottom of the last page of every test was a note from the professor. All the answers on your test are correct. You will receive an A on the final exam. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get the A. Now consider what you've just heard. <clears throat> there was a story about laborers paid a full day's wage for one hour's of work and the other story of an already completed exam that gave every student an undeserved A. What do these two stories have in common? Those aren't just the experiences in others' lives. There isn't a single person in this room who hasn't experienced outrageous, lavish, and unexpected, undeserved kindness. What is more, we experience these um, serendipities every single day. They are poured out over us constantly. I know this, I can speak to it, <clears throat> and I declare it with total confidence that because of one unchanging truth that permeates every crease of reality, God is good. If you want to see God for who he really is, here's a good starting point. First Chronicles 16, 34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 34, 8. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love is eternal and his faithfulness endures to all generations. When Moses was on the mountain, he boldly pleaded with God, please show me your glory. He was asking to see God for who he really is. Show me as much as I could stand, Lord. So what did God do? Exodus 33, 19 through 20 says, I, God says, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim the name Yahweh before you. Moses wanted to see God's glory. God showed him something so wonderful and accessible that it caused the skin on Moses' face to glow with radiance of God's presence. He showed him his goodness. Three things I want to talk about this morning. We sing about it, and we say it often, but do we really fully understand this attribute of God? Meditate on the goodness of God with me this morning as we go through this. Think about all those things that he's done in your life. The Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. One has to do with his character. The other focuses on his actions. Psalms 119.68 captures both when it says of God, you are good and you do what is good. The first half of that verse focuses on the fact that God is by nature good. That is, he is morally excellent, extraordinarily beautiful, deeply glad, and extravagantly bountiful. But since this is God we are talking about, this goodness ascribed to him is raised to the highest possible levels. Just some things we just can't understand. I know for me, um, there's no way I could ever extend the kind of grace and love and kindness and forgiveness that God extends to me which we're supposed to do. But then I think about the guy that just cut me off, and I, that kind of goes out the window. Think about it. God is the original definition of good. He is good in and of himself. 
For us, goodness is added quality. It comes naturally for God. God is not just the greatest of beings, and to use the modern terminology, and it took me a while to figure out what this, what this meant, but I hear it all the time on ESPN. Um, he truly is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. <laughs> I figured it out finally. That's how old I am. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, no one is good but God. We call all kinds of things good. The steak we had last night for dinner, a good friend, a good movie. But all that we call good on this earth is tainted and imperfect. God alone is goodness itself. So how do you see the true character of a person? By his actions. So the second strand of definition for God's goodness concentrates on what he does, the things he does for us. And the Bible is filled with descriptions to the point of his kindness and his mercy, his steadfast love, his generosity, God is disposed to giving human beings beyond all deserving all the time. I think we can all agree that we do not deserve all the grace and mercy that he shows us. So have you ever thought of God as generous towards you? Can you believe that when he looks at you with all of your baggage, all of your junk, and all of your hang-ups, he says, I want to be generous to you. I can't wait to pour out on you that which will make you happy. Not because you deserve it, but because there's something about who I am that loves to overflow in extravagant ways upon you. The Bible says that those are actually God's thoughts about you, and that's hard to believe. We, I mean, I know it is for me. Maybe it isn't for you, but it is for sure, sure is for me. God is for us. He has our back. He is there plotting to do us all good. We are the object of his affection, and because of his divine nature and all that it, he expresses comes from an expansive and overwhelming God-sized generosity toward us. Maybe this morning you can't, you can't go there. Maybe there's something that's in your head or something in your heart or something going on. Maybe your circumstances are so mundane, life is so hard, and your options so few that saying God is good feels hollow. So if that is you this morning, I hope these next few pages helps you out. I want to talk about three specific things that God uses to broadcast his goodness. One is his natural blessings. This is the lowest level at which he expresses his goodness and the one that we tend to overlook and take for granted. David saw it clearly. He was moved by God to write Psalms 145, a hymn of praise that celebrates God's goodness expressed in the created order. In verses 3 and 4, excuse me, of 143, or excuse me, 145, he shouts, Yahweh is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. Verses 7 through 9 describes what the older generation will say to the younger. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and grateful in love. Thank God for that. Notice in verse 9, it says, the Lord is good to everyone. So who is included in that everyone? We all are. In case we missed that, he repeats the idea in the next phrase. His compassion rests on all he has made. That means there's nowhere 
in the universe that we can go where God won't be good to you. He's watching us all the time. Sometimes that's a scary thought. <laughs> but he does. In verses 15 through 17 of 145, we read more about his goodness. All eyes look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his acts. Every relationship, every job, everything we see in nature, every taste of food that pleases us, every breath we take, every friend and flower and field are a reminder of his compassion for us. Look in any corner or in every corner of this world and every part of your day and you will find the overflow of his generosity if you will begin to look for it. What does he say? What does Jesus say? Seek and you'll find me. Second one is kind interventions. Psalms 107 is totally devoted to this theme and opens with joy. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful, his faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the hand of the foe. Then the, Psalms, the psalmist describes four different scenarios where God graciously steps in to reveal his goodness. God comes, number one, God comes to the rescue of people who are frantically searching for something or someone that will satisfy their soul. When they cry out to the Lord, he will deliver them and their soul will find its true home. Second one, God intervenes in the lives of those who have rebelled against the word of God and suffer for it. When they repent, he delivers them from their distress, breaks the chains of sin that bind them and turns the night into day. God intervenes on, his, on behalf of his goodness in the lives of foolish people who have given themselves to sin and find its death bringing results, touching their relationship and their lives. When they cry to the Lord, he heals them and reverses the killing effects of sin in their lives. Aren't we thankful for that? God rescues those pounded by calamity. When the storms threaten to sink us and we're at our wit's end, we can call to him and see him command the storms to be still because he is good. He's been there for us. He's been there for all of us more than we will ever know. More than we will ever know. No matter what situation we're facing this morning, God is the best person to take it to. There is no sure source of deliverance or blessings in him because he is good all the time. Colossians 1 reminds us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In verse 15, and that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus is God's goodness in the flesh. He demonstrated God's desire to pour out blessing and help and deliverance in three separate ways. He took the judgment that our sins deserved upon, us, upon himself. Romans 5, 8 says, God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's extravagance flowed to us in the amazing substitution of his son in our place on the cross. His death for us is the undisputed picture of unmerited goodness. We don't deserve it. None of us do. In fact, we continue to do things 
to prove we didn't earn this. Well, at least I do. I'll, I'll admit. I know, I know a lot of you guys don't have that problem. But, but God is good. His nature drives a desire to do for us that we can't do for ourselves. So he puts forward his son on our behalf to take our hell and give all who believe heaven. He includes a thousand other things in the gift of himself. Romans 8.32 says this of God. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for all of us. How will we not also with him grant us everything? In other words, God has already shown his goodness toward you and me in the biggest way possible. All the other little details to help us in life or live a godly life through thick and thin are included in that gift. Jesus unlocks the goodness toward us in new ways. 2 Corinthians verse 20 tells us that every one of God's promises is yes in Christ. That means all the good and perfect gifts of God come to us through our relationship with Jesus. If we want to understand and appreciate God's goodness, we can begin and end with Jesus. The goodness of God calls for a response. Three specific steps we must take to change our lives and begin to fully experience the effects of God's generosity. First one is repent of unbelief and ingratitude. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his kingdoms, or of his kindness, excuse me, restraint and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? What Paul is saying is, do you think that all these things, all these blessings that visit us came because we are just an incredibly nice person who made God's special list? I would venture to say no. His goodness was meant to lead us to him, going through our lives, receiving what he has been giving without trusting in Christ is like saying, God, all I had this, I had all this coming. I deserve this and more. So keep it coming. We want the gifts, not the giver. Our ingratitude and greed for what he can do for us while rejecting him is the height of sin. And one day that gravy train will end. If it's going on for you now, good luck. <laughs> Look around, see the hand of the Lord in your life and turn to him today if you haven't already. Put an end to taking from God and learn to thank him. And thanking him means not just when things are good. It's when you get that bad report from the doctor or when you lose your job or you lose a relationship. It's always easy and we, we hear it all the time. Pastor Dave talks about it all the time. Everybody says it all the time. It's easy to praise God when things are going good and thank him when things are going good. But as we know, things don't always go good 365 days a year. Second thing is rest in his goodness when adversity comes. We live in a world where bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Sometimes our circumstances argue with us about how God's, how good God is. Sometimes God's good plan for us means going through trials and losses and heartache and death. Psalms 3, 19 through 20 says, how great is your goodness that you have soared up for those who fear you and accomplished in the sight of everyone for those who take refuge in you. You hide them in your protection of your presence. You conceal them in a shelter from the schemes of men. 
from quarrelsome tongues. God has great goodness stored up for all of us. So we need to take refuge in him. Rest there. He is up to more than we possibly know and has hidden help that only comes when we lift or when we give it up to him. Pastor Dave says all the time, he's always, God is always working in the background. We just don't see it. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean he's not doing something. Third one is this. When you believe that God is good all the time, it frees you to take ever-increasing steps of faith. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. It reminds me of God's intent towards me and my family. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for your disaster. To give you hope and a future. Believing that cuts loose, helps me cut loose, I should say, from fear about taking risks for Christ's sake. That is one of the things that I've dealt with a lot these past several months, is just giving it up and just trusting. And when I started to do that, things got a lot easier. Doesn't mean there's still not going to be problems, but I tell you, it's been a total change in my life just to say, I can't do this, you take it, and he's done it. And I thank him every day for that. Psalm 84.11 is the fuel to the fire of daring greatly for him. For the Lord God is a, is a sun. He illuminates the path I should take and a shield. He protects me. The Lord gives grace and glory. That's exaltation for those who will follow him. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. You never miss out if you step up with God. I switched up this morning my conclusion because when I read this this morning, Jesus calling, as I read uh, the devotion from this morning, because it really just kind of sunk in and I think it kind of speaks to what we were talking about this morning. At least I hope so. Rest in the deep assurance of my unfailing love. Let your body, mind, and spirit relax in my presence. Release into my care anything that is troubling you so that you can focus your full attention on me. Be awed by the vast dimensions of my love for you, wider, longer, higher, and deeper than anything you know. Rejoice that this marvelous love is yours forever. The best response to this glorious gift is a life steeped in thankfulness. Every time you thank me, you acknowledge that I am your Lord and provider. This is the proper stance for a child of God. Receiving with thanksgiving, bring me the sacrifice of gratitude and watch to see how much I bless you. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will